Hi there, everyone. It's Jennifer, your Art Curious host, back at you this week with our short-form Friday roundup of my favorite art history updates and interesting news bits. This is Art Curious News This Week, and this gets you up to date on some of the most interesting goings-on in the realm of art history. So, all right, let's do this. Today is August 5th, 2022. And as you might expect from recent stories that we have shared here and potentially that you've seen elsewhere in the news, there has been a lot more stuff going on on the repatriation front. And it is more good news about the so-called Benin Bronzes. Less than a month after Germany and Nigeria finalized their negotiations for restitution, two top universities in the UK are following suit. This week, the University of Oxford and the University of Cambridge both announced that they will be returning hundreds of Benin bronzes following a formal request submitted earlier this year by the Nigerian government to Oxford's museums, the Ashmolean and the Pitt Rivers, as well as to Cambridge's Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. As I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago, the Benin bronzes were purportedly looted by British troops who had ransacked Benin City, which is now part of modern-day Nigeria, all the way back in 1897. And it was after that point that the pieces were disbursed to various British collections and also then to other museums around the world. They have been at the center of a debate about museums and who gets to own particular cultural objects, And Nigeria has been calling for their repatriation for upwards of 50 years, 5-0. In June, the Council of the University of Oxford alerted the press that they had completed an assessment of their artifacts and their connection to Nigeria's formal request for their return, and that the time has come to let them go back to their appropriate homes. In a statement, the council wrote, quote, The university decision is in line with similar commitments made by other U.S. and European museums and reflects a sector-wide move away from keeping together collections irrespective of how those artifacts were collected, As Nigeria had noted in its agreement with Germany, the return of the works of art doesn't necessarily mean that it will all happen at once or that some works won't stay behind for long-term loans or exhibitions. But this is finally a step in the right direction for museums around the world. My second story today follows exactly in this same line of thinking and has been equally controversial for decades. According to the UK newspaper The Guardian, there is another proposed plan for the potential repatriation of some major works of art. In this case, the British Museum's Parthenon marbles. As noted in The Guardian, this plan is being called the quote-unquote Parthenon Partnership, and it stipulates a coordinated effort between both the British Museum and the Greek authorities, especially the Acropolis Museum, involving the long-term lending and display of these marble objects. So, you see, when museums have something in their collection for a nice long time, like the Menin bronzes and the Parthenon marbles, they are often loath to part with them, hence the long-contested debate about where an object should literally and figuratively live. The marbles have been a central part of the British Museum's collection since the early 19th century, when they arrived after being removed, and I use those words in quotations here, by the infamous Lord Elgin, who was then the British ambassador to the Ottoman Empire. The marbles include some of the most important and fragile architectural and sculptural elements from the Parthenon, the most famous temple in the Acropolis complex in Athens, Greece. Elements that are at least 2,500 years old. As with the Benin bronzes, 
The quest to repatriate the marbles back to Greece has been going on for decades now. And a legal loophole within British law has long been the answer as to why the British Museum was not required to return them. According to the so-called Bloomsbury Defense, the marbles came into the British Museum's collection legally nearly 200 years ago, and that, as a British institution, it is a public museum but is not controlled by the British government. Now, though, public mindset has changed, and museums around the world are feeling that pressure to repatriate even their most prized possessions. And though difficult, perhaps, it's also promoting new trust and, indeed, new partnerships around the world. As the director of the Acropolis Museum, Nikolaus Stampolidos, noted in a recent response to the plan, quote, In the difficult days we are living in, returning them, the Parthenon marbles, would be an act of history. It would be as if the British was restoring democracy itself. Ugh, I love these two stories. They are the art and archaeological world's feel-good reads, to be sure. Now, I've got one more story to share with you today. And guess what? It also relates to the law and who has rights regarding works of art. But first, though, we are going to take a little break for some brief words from today's sponsors. But come right back. There is more news to share. And by listening, you help me keep this show going. Thank you. Welcome back to Art Curious and our news this week. For our last story, I am actually hearkening back to a series we did on the podcast a couple of years ago, one all about the coolest artists you don't know. In that series, I released an episode on the fascinating, influential outsider artist Henry Darger. Darger was a self-taught artist from Chicago who worked as a custodian by day and created thousands and thousands of drawings, collages, watercolors, and more in his off hours. And all of this eventually culminated in a manuscript for a 15,000-page book he called In the Realm of the Unreal. And yes, I did not misspeak. It truly is a 15,000-page-long manuscript. So go back and listen to Art Curious episode number 66 for all of the incredible details on this. This week, though, individuals who are identifying themselves as distant relatives of Henry Darger filed a lawsuit against the artist's former landlords, who discovered Darger's works in his apartment after the artist's death in 1973. Since the 1970s, the landlords, Kyoko Lerner and her late husband Nathan Lerner, have promoted Darger's works, and, as the suit alleges, they have illegally profited from them. The learners claim that a verbal agreement between them and Darger prior to the artist's death left them as the owners of the entire contents of Darger's apartment. And with no spouse, children, or immediate family as survivors, Darger's contents, including all of his artworks, do seem to have transferred, at least casually, to the learners. As noted by Art News, Darger apparently told them, quote, I have nothing I need in this room. It is all yours. You can throw everything away. Unquote. But, of course, they didn't throw everything away, and that has been part of the problem. The lawsuit, which actually was put into motion only a few months back, is now moving into a new phase wherein Darger's purported family, who have been identified by the New York Times as, quote, most of them first cousins twice or three times removed, unquote, are now suing the learners for a variety of potential misdeeds that, as holders of Darger's works, have put them at an unfair advantage. Everything from illegal trademarking of works of art, selling pieces, exhibiting them, 
and even anti-cyber squatting, which is a new term to me and references the registration of a domain name to generate income off of it. In fact, the lawsuit asserts that the learners have, quote, generated tens of hundreds of millions of dollars from the unauthorized exploitation of the Darger works, unquote. The plaintiffs in this case are now suing to be declared the rightful owners of the Darger works and thus the heirs to his estate. Now, how all of this will play out is still to be determined. Okay, bonus news to share, and I wonder just how many more weeks I will be sharing these kind of notes. But yes, of course, there was another protest involving climate activists gluing themselves to works of art. Last week, protesters attached themselves to the frame of Sandro Botticelli's painting Primavera at the Uffizi in Florence, and this time they hit up Milan, where they glued themselves to the base of the futurist sculpture Unique Forms of Continuity in Space by the Italian artist Umberto Boccioni at the Museo del Novecento. Again, they glued themselves to the base, so not to the bronze itself, but still, like I've said, yay to climate protest, but boo to gluing yourself to works of art. Anyway. Thank you for listening to this segment, our short-form news series that helps to round out your art historical knowledge here on Art Curious. If you liked this episode, let me know. As always, you can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram at ArtCuriousPod or email me at Jennifer at ArtCuriousPodcast.com. Again, remember that if you are missing your traditional Art Curious content while we are on break between seasons, check us out on YouTube. And this week's drop involved the idea of myth-making when it comes to the life and the life story of Vincent van Gogh. And tonight I will be posting my very first reaction video which is my take on Yoko Ono's iconic performance, Cut Piece. So you can find those and all of my other videos by searching Art Curious, one word, on YouTube. See you next week, and stay curious.